What is up, everybody? This is Brayden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing mixing, and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. friends and welcome back to another exclusive subscriber only episode of the mixing music podcast i am your host for today brayden from flint mastering and joining me is daddy dk (laughs) what's up dk how's it going what up y'all welcome to the podcast thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast we can't do this without you. I appreciate your support. Let's get right into it, Brayden. Let's get right into it. All righty. Before we do, first and foremost, thank you for subscribing. We love you. We appreciate you. And we could not do this without you. Uh, And we're so happy you're here. We're stoked you're listening. And we really, really do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. So today we have a clip from the mixing legend himself, Manny Mariquin. He has done everybody and anybody in the music industry's mixes. Uh, Recently, he just did Kendrick Lamar's latest album. I know he's done all the Bruno Mars stuff. Um... And he's Ooh, just phenomenal. No, Serban does, does a lot of Bruno Mars stuff too. Oh, okay. But he does. Well, I don't. I don't know if it's all of Bruno Mars stuff. I wonder how how they split it. But yeah, definitely the weekend post Malone, even John Mayer. He's famous for doing all of John Mayer stuff, which is oh, crazy okay. because Manny is one of my favorite, if if not my favorite mixer of all time, mostly because of his diverse diversity in sounds. Mm. Like I feel like he does a really good job serving the songs. Yeah. rather than serving an ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty sure he did uh, Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars. Yeah, he's I for sure him, done a few of Bruno Mars. He stuff. talked about that. He said that Bruno wanted that song to sound like a police record. And once he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it totally does. Oh, like, that's interesting. It totally that's sounds cool. like a police record. So anyway, uh, in this clip, you know, Manny does obviously a lot of pop and hip hop. And right now, 808s are the big thing in that. So in this clip, he talks about fitting 808s into a mix and the techniques he uses. So without further ado, Manny Mariquin, roll the tape. 808s, you know, my approach is very simple. I leave the 808 alone. I don't color it at all. I try to EQ around the 808. So if anything else is getting in the way of the 808, I try to take it out so that that 808 always has space. Uh, and that's the trick, simple as that. And you're like, oh, well, how do you carve frequencies out? Or, well, you have your 808 and you have a kick and you solo both of them and you start messing with the kick. If the kick gets in the way of the 808, then you EQ that frequency out. It may be a tiny bit. 
maybe a combination of level and EQ. Anything that you get the 808 to exist on its own. And then the kick becomes a supporting, plays a supporting role, and everything else plays a supporting role. So if you bring faders up and it gets in the way of the 808, just try EQing some stuff out uh, if level doesn't work. And uh, it's a simple approach, but uh, it's, it's very effective. All right, DK, so we got to hear a super cool take from Manny in that uh, fitting 808s into a mix, he said he leaves the 808 alone. He doesn't color it, and he tries to fit everything else around the 808, and he does that with a combination of level and EQ. So what are your thoughts on this, and is that how you deal with 808s? Yeah, um, this is interesting. I feel like I have a bunch of different thoughts and directions of thought for his comments here. Um, one, uh, I, mo- I would assume that most of the producers and songwriters that are sending him and the label A&R sending him tracks to mix, they're pretty well thoroughly thought out, which I don't think most uh, amateurs or even low to mid-tier professionals can, can boast about with their clientele. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's definitely one of the struggles. Um, and... That's that's I think that that's something that we should point out, right? He's getting good stems and good thoughtful stems. Um, and where the 808 is is supposed to, like the way that it's sent, emphasizes the role that the 808 is supposed to play. There's been many times where um, I distort and and move, reallocate some of that low end energy up into the lower mids or even into the mids. Uh, mostly because I can tell that the producer or the artist intended the power and the punch of the 808 to be there, but not necessarily that low-end weight. And it's my job to decipher or even uh, determine, uh, discern what the client wants, right? And, and sometimes I know what the 808 is doing is not exactly what they were doing. Uh, it's something that they may have been trying to do, but they couldn't fully execute on their own, so I'm helping them do that. So I think that's the first you know, tangent that I thought of when he said that. Uh, And when you're at that level, it is extremely important to make sure you don't touch the song too much. It's uh, actually speaking specifically of Manny. um, I had an experience a couple weeks ago now where I went to a buddy's house and he's a producer and a mixer and he produced a song and mixed a song and the label sent that exact song to Manny specifically and he showed me the before and after of his mix and Manny's mix and I'll be very clear this guy again he is a mixer in his own right but the label wanted to send it out to Manny the difference between A and B was very subtle like really subtle. Uh, he showed me two songs, the before and after mixed by Manny. I think the second one had slightly more difference because I think the drums were punchier in Manny's version. They were a little bit louder and punchier, a little bit more defined. But in the first mix that he did, there was there was like very little difference, like a surprising amount of lack of difference. And I think at that level, it's also very important to know that like, how you respect and respond to other producers and songwriters and and the people who have been part of that process before you is a major part of his career. Like mm. it's it's a it's a matter of respect at that point and understanding people things do th- do things on purpose and that 
if they do something weird or what we think is fundamentally weird, we allow those weird things to move on and go through. Um, you know, yeah. as as oftentimes it's the weird things that makes new waves or creates new perspectives and is a form of art and storytelling. So I think it's important. That's another tangent that I thought of. Um, I think that it's really interesting. In my case, I think I briefly talked about it. My initial instinct is I want to reallocate that low end up into the mid range uh, because most of the time I'm working like on pop. But if it's like straight up hip hop rap type stuff, then oftentimes it's that really round low end that's an octave too deep. That's like the point of it. And um, this is where we hear like Leslie, for example, Leslie Brathwaite, all of his 808s and his low end is like not touched at all. It's it's very round and weighty low end. And that's his sound. Um, I, I think that it's interesting, the concept of first off, leaving the 808s and recognizing what songs the foundation, the foundation of the song is the 808, right? <laughs> it's yeah. important. So I think like in this case, he's answering in the sense of, okay, the song that I'm mixing is the foundation. 808s is the foundation of the song. I'm recognizing that and moving everything around it. Um, that's, that's also important to recognize. For example, if you listen to any Migos song, right, where 808 is genuinely the foundation of most of their songs. If you took yep. away the 808, it would not be Migos. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or if, if you change the 808 or the sound dramatically, even if you change the snare dramatically, it would still be like Migos. But it's if you change the 808 dramatically, it wouldn't be. And I think that that's important to point out as well. Um, so, yeah, of course, you move everything around the most important part. In pop music, sometimes it's... It's uh, the vocals. Oftentimes, it's the vocals. In synth stuff, oft sometimes it's it's a certain synth. In orchestras, sometimes it's the solo. In jazz, it's the solo instrument that you kind of move around. Whatever it is, um, there's important elements of a song, the foundation elements of the song that you have to let cut through, and sometimes you EQ everything around that. Um, I don't typically work like that, but that, like, from a dare I say philosophical standpoint, logical standpoint, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One thing I thought of too when he was talking about this is he he says in the, I think towards the end of the clip like if you can't get the balance right between the 808 and the kick and everything else with the level then he's like then you start EQ adjusting. And I've heard you say many times that Leslie Brathwaite said you want more kick? Turn it up. You want more 808? Turn it up. And I think that um some sometimes the uh at least when I was mixing uh, as as much or as little as I did that, <laughs> I think people focus too much on how am I going to compress this? How am I going to EQ this? How am I going to whatever it is before you even just get like the faders right? Because back in the day, like that's what most of mixing was, right? It was all on the console, getting the levels right with the faders and with your hands and moving the volumes around till it all sat well. And then from that point, it's like, okay, now how do we make this stuff fit together and gel just a little bit more? And then that's when the EQ and compression come in. So I would I would suggest for anyone that might be struggling with their mixes or whatever, maybe just start with your faders. Or if you're trying to fit the 808 in, like Manny says, just start with the fader. Move the levels up and down and see if that solves your problem. And if not, then obviously, you know, you can look into other techniques, whatever it may be. Um, I also thought it was interesting. He said he doesn't touch the 808 because I remember when I would mix stuff like I was always doing stuff to the 808. I was adding a saturator and who knows, maybe even like a uh, what was that thing called Max Bass from Waves that like 
I don't even yeah, really yeah, know dude, what it like does. Low it just boosts. Low harmonics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, no, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. But, yeah. And he, he does a really good job with his mixes. So. Uh, and this is part of the point too, is like to bring up different perspectives and different ways of doing things. Maybe this is something that you try. Um, but I think the philosophy behind it is in- incredibly important. I think what you were talking about, to piggyback on what you were talking about, um, every single time I post about Leslie Say That, whether it's a short or a proper video, the comments are always like, or you can just, you know, select a frequency and sidechain that to the kick. So, you know, the frequency, and like, <laughs> or you can saturate and then do this and, and lower the, this frequency, 75 hertz. And they name yeah. a specific frequency that works every single time. And <laughs> that's just so, like, that's so misguided in the sense that, you're right. The most important thing is the levels. And and Leslie doesn't mean that the levels itself is always going to fix the problem, but that's the first thing that he tries to to yeah. to use. Um that yep. tool that he tries to use. And and also 75 doesn't hertz doesn't work every time. Side chaining doesn't work every time. Um yep. there's there's so many different tools because we need all of them and you should try using all of them and some of them work better than others. But I think the problem is that people look to the specific technical ways of making things work before they go back to the basics. And I think for many mixers, especially if you're taking mixing seriously, you might be a listener of this episode right now. Um you know, I think the challenge should be go back to the basics of level and simple EQ before you start getting into your technical knowledge because honestly most often than not if you're within your first five years of taking mixing seriously even even your first 10 years and sometimes I catch myself doing this and Lou doing this we make things over technical unnecessarily unnecessarily over techno whatever the word is yeah yep Maybe that's maybe that's why they call us mixing engineers and mastering engineers is because we love to just like chop it up about technical stuff and we love to get into the technical nitty gritty, which like that's what engineers do in other fields, right? So, like software engineers and chemical engineers and all yeah, that stuff. Like we won't get into the uh, the origins of of words, right? But <laughs> engineers used to like need to know what like a lot more electrical engineering than most engineers do now for oh, like okay. analog gear and that stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. Engineers, I th- if I'm not mistaken, they were in charge of like fixing and maintaining the equipment as well. So it, d- it couldn't take someone that just knew how to use a computer. They had to know how these electronics work so they could fix the console or whatever. Got it. Cool. Well, I didn't know that. That's a cool little history lesson. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up on that note. Um, challenge for this episode, try fitting an 808 into your mix with just the volume and just some simple EQ without doing anything else to it. Try to leave it alone. Try the quote, Manny method for uh, 808s and see how that works for you. Um, As always, thank you for subscribing. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this without you. And uh, we just want to say real quickly, if you would like to hire us or you want some help with your mixes or masters, please reach out, uh, obviously, to me at Flint Mastering on Instagram. You can reach out to DK at DK Mixes on Instagram. And because you are an exclusive subscriber of the episode, if you'd like to hire us, you will get a discount as an exclusive member. So, Or like I said, if you just want some help with something, feel free to reach out, and we're more than happy to help you in any way that we can. So with that... Best of luck with all of your mixing and mastering and producing and whatever other projects you've got going on this week. And DK, sign us off. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy.